Welcome back to the Dairy Dive, where today we're going to look at how you can make more from less. Buckle up, because we're diving deep. First of all, we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit, a little bit. My whole life's been dairy farming. Some days he wonders why he ever milk cows. It's kind of just in the blood around here. I don't know what it is, but we like livestock. Buckle up. The Dairy Dive starts now. Well, if you are a regular listener to our show, my name is Andrew Crabtree. I'm one of the sometimes hosts, co-hosts of this show, and today we are going to have a special guest back. And if you've listened to us before, you may have heard an episode with Talia Danziger from VAS. Uh, Today, Talia talks with Scott Harris about efficiency on the farm and how we can use data to make more out of less. So here is that interview with Scott and Talia Danziger. All right, so we are going to actually bring back in, I I guess I should say back in, because we've actually had her on this podcast before. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and listen to it. Um, But we are going to bring in Talia Danzinger with VAS. Uh, We had Talia on probably a year and a half ago, maybe something like that-ish. And so we are going to bring her back. Welcome back to the podcast, Talia. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So we, uh, I became familiar with Talia from an, originally from an article that I had gotten out of, I think it was Progressive Dairymen, uh, but then from there uh, met Talia at World Dairy Expo for just a brief little bit, and then I've communicated a little bit here and there. And the topic that we're going to talk about today, as we, as we spoke about in the intro, was doing more with less. And like I said, I am an expert. I've done, I've done that my whole career. I've managed to accomplish more with uh, less, you know, so... Um, it's an area that I'm very passionate about, and, and it's just really talking about the efficiency and sustainability. And I know it's a topic, Talia, that you're very passionate about. But before we dive into there and let you kind of grab hold and start uh, educating us, why don't you tell us, remind us who you are, kind of where you work, and uh, kind of what you do. For sure. Uh, so I work for VAS and AgSource. I've kind of shared between the two companies there. Uh, most people are probably familiar with VAS for the herd management software Dairy Comp. And AgSource is our DHI testing leg of the business. Um, so really, really data heavy, both on the software and um, milk testing side. And I've been with these companies for almost 10 years. Uh, so that's pretty exciting for me now to be able to say I've spent a decade uh, with these companies. And I have kind of a unique role. I actually lead both our data science and education teams. And it really allows me to connect the three things that I love most, which are people, data, and cows. Uh, dairy sci- uh, data science and education connect everything, really. It's kind of a feedback loop in that we create mechanisms to uh, surface insights for dairy farmers to use, and then we teach them how to gain value from them. So I absolutely love working with people uh, to teach them how to use data to better manage those cows. And uh, I think we talked about it last time, too. I'm a part-time farmer, so I just live and breathe dairy. Yep. Yep. I won't I won't make you pick of those three, which is your favorite. I won't make you say whether you like people more than cows or cows more than people. We'll let you, we'll let you pass on that one. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a little sticky. I don't know if I want to choose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think if we're going to start this off, I think we want to kind of naturally start in the question of, okay... Maybe in a little bit, maybe talk about where we are, but let's start by maybe talking about where we were just as overall from a 
productivity, efficiency, sustainability aspect, and kind of just, you know, let's start by saying where we've, where we've been. So my first question is, has the average dairy cow improved in production and quality in the last however many years? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love it because it allows me to draw on my DHI roots. Um, I'm an absolute DHI aficionado. Um, I really think that we can thank DHI for the progress that we've made in our industry. And I'll often tell uh, college students when I'm working with them that DHI serves as the backbone of our industry. Um, we can thank our predecessors in DHI for a lot of what we know about cows now. So I'd like to take us all the way back to 1906. Uh, that was the year that the very first cow testing association was formed in the United States. And at the end of one year of record keeping, we had some totals on what cows produced. When we looked at a DHI tested cow, she made about 5,300 pounds of milk and a non-DHI tested cow made about 3,600 pounds of milk. So after that first year of DHI testing, um, those cows showed about a 1,600 pound advantage over those non-DHI cows. Uh, so very short amount of time, and we already started seeing value from that. If we fast forward about 50 years, those DHI tested cows made about 9,400 pounds of milk, and those non-DHI cows made about 5,500 pounds of milk. So after 50 years of progress, those cows that didn't have records made about the equivalent of the DHI tested cows in 1906. What I find even more interesting is that in today's world, we wouldn't dream of keeping either of those sets of cows in our herd. And we're actually right. setting new records. So you may have heard of Sells Probably Aftershock. She's kind of a Wisconsin uh, celebrity cow. And she actually holds the world record for milk production. So in a 365-day record, Sells Probably Aftershock produced 78,170 pounds of milk with 3,094 pounds of fat and 2,393 pounds of protein. So this cow essentially produced more fat and protein than the original cows in the early 1900s produced in milk in total. Um, just wow. a fantastic testament to what we can do with records. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. That's uh, when you put it put it that way. Um, you know, I try to think about combining, you know, my just the other side of ag. You know, it's when you look at yield increase um, from a grain standpoint. Um, it really has, if, when you, especially in the last 20 years, it hasn't necessarily gotten that much better uh, compared to the cost of what it of what the seed cost uh, when you're just looking at grain production. But to look at the increase that has incurred in efficiency and and just uh, production from a milk side is impressive. Um, so to kind of put that in more of a kind of today's terms, where are we sitting today? How does that compare to? where we are right now as an industry from an average standpoint. Sure. Yeah. Not every cow out there is a sales probably aftershock. So of course she is, you know, top tier genetics and really a testament to where we can go in the future. But if we look at our cows right now, um, on average, our DHI tested herds and the data we get from them have made a lot of progress. Even if we look back to maybe 1995 or so, uh, most of us have kind of living memory of that time, uh, maybe milk cows in that time. And we see these improvements not only in milk, but in fat and in somatic cell. So if we step back to 1995, a little bit more recent history, the average cow in the United States made about 65 pounds of milk with a 3.6 fat and a 304 somatic cell. 
And the reason I wanted to bring up those numbers and give you a little bit of, of recent context there is because we hit some new records in 2021. Um, and we've continued those records into 2022. So 2021 was the first year in reviewing these records that we actually accomplished a nationwide average fat of over a 4.0. So we actually had a 4.01 average in 2021 and a 4.13 average in 2022. And this is at about 80 to 82 pounds of milk on average. So when people ask me, you know, what is that average cow? Well, she's about an 80 pound cow with a 4.0 fat. And we saw similar gains in average somatic cell. Our tipping point in somatic cell was actually a little bit earlier. So in 2020, we actually were under that 200,000 mark. If we consider 200,000 to be the threshold of infection, uh, usually we want to stay below that, especially for receiving premiums from our cooperatives. And in the last few years between 2021 and 2022, we've actually averaged at about 170,000 for our national average. So we've made gains not only in production, and but quality as well. And I think we're just going to see that continuing. So what do you, what would you say you would equate? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of factors here, but what is maybe your top few things that you would think, you know, how has the industry accomplished this improvement in production and quality? What's some of the biggest factors you think behind that? Some of the old DHI um, advertisements looking at getting more herds to sign up on test reference three things, breeding, weeding, and feeding. And I love summarizing it in those three things because that's exactly what we're doing today. Um, while everything has changed in how we farm, um, nothing has changed really in how we make some of these decisions. So if we break this apart, we have accomplished this through really selective breeding. So we're breeding our elite cows to our elite sires. And having these records allowed us to do things like start what was originally called the Artificial Breeding Association. Now we just think of it as the artificial insemination industry, where we could really segment out those elite sires and breed more elite cows to elite sires and really start shaping what those cows look like. The other parts of this, um, weeding, that means maybe not breeding our less elite cows. You know, finding those cows, in the old days they called them border cows. So those were cows that didn't even pay their own way in feed. And we can still sometimes find some of those cows in today's modern dairy herds. And that's why we really need to understand the base maintenance needs of a cow and what our break-even milk is when we're looking at things from a financial perspective. Are we keeping cows that can pay their way? And are we keeping those cows that are going to contribute to the future of our herd? That last piece then, feeding. Um, everybody knows how important feeding is, especially in our, our current economy of these high feed prices. And feeding is one of the most expensive parts of our farm. So if we can use the data these cows produce, and in this case, we're, we're probably especially looking at those pounds of milk and pounds of butterfat, we can really get precise in feeding those cows, feeding them the right thing to drive the production and the quality that we want. Yeah, so that's uh, that definitely speaks right to us. You know, we see um, from the quality side, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, I mean, I... I definitely would understand that cows have gotten better i would say overall as an industry um that feed um is not necessarily gotten better i think we've just done a better job of managing it and understanding it um you know i would like you know when you have very few companies and 
try try not to we I th- people who listen to this podcast regularly know we try not to make this a master's choice commercial by any means okay so so i'm not trying to turn it into a big master's choice thing but it is it, there is fewer and fewer companies uh focusing on quality and so you know the industry has been doing such a good job of uh adjusting uh and looking close and i think a lot of it comes back to data um, and and just understanding what they're feeding from the feed side as well is extremely important. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, my first job out of college was actually as a nutritionist. And uh, when I am in team meetings now, I like to say that, um, you know, it was too tough of a job. I couldn't hack it. And uh, I went just to the education side of things. So I didn't have the pressure of feeding cows, which is mostly <laughs> a joke, but it is such a hard job. There are so many things that go into play, both from the feed quality side, the cow management side. And if I look back to, you know, 10 years ago, I don't remember having so many discussions about mold and mycotoxins about some of the things that are so vital to understanding how our feeds work in our cows today. So we're getting so many more data points now that we have to incorporate to do a better job feeding our cows. And I think there's just more to come there too. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. It's a, it's a tough, it's a very tough job on the nutritionist. So for those, I know we have a couple that listen to this podcast and we appreciate you. <laughs> um, you're, you know, it's the nutritionist's fault when you're not milking, but they don't get the credit when they are milking. It seems like a lot of time. So we do appreciate that. Um, the, so I guess the question is, you know, why is the improvement in quality and production so vital to the industry? Why is this so important? Why does this topic as you said before, you this is one of your soapboxes. Why is this so important? Yeah, it, it really is part of our sustainability story. And when we think about what a cow needs to be successful, um, she's going to have some base maintenance needs every day. She needs to consume enough energy to uh, get up, to walk around, to um, go to the feed bunk, make it to the milking parlor. And then after that, we start to use energy for things like milk production and reproduction. So if every cow has that base maintenance need, we have to meet regardless of the job she has to do. Every pound of milk we can get over that is really a lot of gain in efficiency when it comes to the resources that we're using. And if we look at the improvement that we made, um, I've got some stats that look at from 2007 to 2017. Um, we actually produced every gallon of milk in 2017 with about 17% less feed, about 21% less land, about 30% less water and 20% less fuel than 2007. So we saw gains everywhere for every gallon of milk that we produced. And if we look at that overall impact on the carbon footprint of a gallon of milk, we actually reduced our carbon footprint by about 20% in just 10 years. And now these are getting to be some old statistics. So we're, we're six years in to maybe that next decade of, of data capture here. And I can't wait to see what we've done for efficiency now in reducing that that carbon footprint. Yeah, absolutely. The it's it's you know I think that the you know the, unfortunately the industry has gone through um, some very negative um, press for the lack of a better word over the last ten fifteen whatever years. Um, and I think there's there was there's a big need for the industry as a whole to educate people. Um, but also to take a look in the mirror and say, is there way, some ways we can improve this and make this better? And we're talking about footprint and things like that. And I think the industry's responded very well, and I think we'll continue to respond. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the things that we're doing every day are, are proving this story. 
And the, the great thing is that we don't really have to do anything special because what benefits our cows and our farms and, and really our bottom line on the farm also tends to benefit that carbon story as well. Mm-hmm. How much of this, how much of this goes into the animal health side? So that's an area that I've been trying to educate myself more on um, and get a better understanding of But How much does the health of the cow play into all of this as far as on the efficiency side and an increase in production and a lot of that? I mean, I've known guys that have been dairymen, dairymen for 60 years and their family was before that. And they always cared for the cows, but I think there's been so much improvement there and under better understanding there, but how kind of, is that an area that you're comfortable to talk about as far as how health plays into this from the cow side? Yeah, for sure. And this is definitely getting more and more attention now. And it was only a few months ago that I was reading an article that talked about how healthier cows are actually uh, really a part of our sustainability story. And a healthier cow is a more sustainable cow. And um, it it was such a basic concept that I couldn't believe I hadn't thought of it that way before. But it's absolutely true. Healthier cows are more productive cows. And everything that a farmer does to improve the health and productivity of the herd actually improves sustainability. And I'm extra excited to talk about this because I just did some work with uh, Dr. Victor Cabrera, and we looked at the correlation between low disease occurrences and higher milk production. And there was really a strong story in the data, um, looking at all of the data that we're able to get out of our egg source database, that demonstrates that those cows that have those low disease occurrences are going to be more likely to fall in that top producing cow category. And so we should be really motivated as farmers and as consultants to find the the root source of the diseases affecting our cows or disorders affecting our cows and try to prevent them. Not only because it, it's what we all want as farmers, right? But because it actually helps us in that sustainability story. Um, healthier cows benefit us in every possible way. Um, when a cow has some kind of disease occurrence, she is going to have to expend some energy uh, fighting off that disease. And as well, she's probably never going to quite rebound in that milk production. So her lactation curve is going to continue at a little bit lower rate. And um, the, the difference between what that lactation curve uh, could have been had she not gotten sick and what it is now that she had a disease occurrence, that's all lost milk potential. And that's all actually lost sustainability potential. So there's a lot of reasons to drive the health of the cow. And similarly, a lot of reasons to be recording data on the health of the cow so that we can really understand what the trends are on our herd and understand what our normal baseline is and what our potential is. So one of the things that uh, you had mentioned in one of the communications that we had back and forth was talking about um, giving the, you know, really wishing that the farm would take kind of own the narrative, I think was the way that you said it. What do you mean by that? behind this as far as how they own the narrative here? I love this question. And it's really timely for me. Um, Just thinking back to this last weekend. Uh, So I know on the last podcast, we talked about how I I own the world's smallest herd of dairy cows, which I think is actually increased since the last time we talked. I've had a couple calves. Um, So you might have pegged me for the kind of girl that talks to her cows. And I was IVing a cow with calcium this last weekend. And I told her, I don't like this any more than you do. And anyone who has treated a sick cow or pulled a calf knows this exact feeling, right? We, mm-hmm. we go into farming because we love taking care of our cows. We love taking care of our land. We love being good stewards. And sick cows are hard on the pocketbook. 
but more importantly, they're, they're hard on the heart. And healthy, happy cows are great in so many ways. Um, it really makes farming easier and more enjoyable. And as we just talked about, it also promotes sustainability and making more with less because of efficiency. And who couldn't get behind that story? Farmers are doing this for everyone. They're doing it for the cows. They're doing it for the planet and themselves and their legacy. Um, and everyone benefits from the way farmers take care of their cows. Um, when we look at that evolution of the cow and where we have, were you know, a little over 100 years ago versus where we are now, uh, no one made the farmer do any of that, right? We did that all on our own through record keeping, through really great decision making and taking care of our herd. And that's a story that I, I really think that the general public that is consuming our products um, can relate to and can understand. Yeah, we've talked about in the past um, that there would be, you know, used to in for a lot of the country, um, they knew the dairy that many times their milk would come from or they knew the farm where their eggs came from or where their beef came from. And there's just there's a major disconnect now for even in rural parts of the country, there's a major disconnect here. Uh, than what they used to be. So I think that kind of speaks into this as kind of part of owning that narrative to kind of try to gain some of that back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's such a strong story behind why we do what we do. And the, the general public is an animal-loving public. We're seeing more people with pets. Um, that's really increasing the accommodations that we want to make for our pets. And of course, livestock aren't pets. But we still treat our livestock with so much respect and we do everything in our power to care for them. Um, I just, I don't see how that's not relatable. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So last thing here, you've, uh, you know, you've done a great job, but is there one thing that if you say, man, I don't want you to go back and listen to this podcast and think, Oh, I wish I would have said this. If there's one other thing or point you want to get behind the message uh, that you'd like to communicate or get on the radar of those that are listening. Yeah. Uh, so it all goes back to people, data and cows, uh, the three loves of my life. And I don't want people to forget that technology and record keeping are key. Uh, that hasn't changed at all from 100 years ago. And we still need to consider how we are recording data and how we're retrieving that data in order to monitor our own progress. Um, think of that farmer in 1906 who had a milk tester coming out to the farm. Um, that milk tester probably spent the night with them the night before, had dinner and breakfast with the family, uh, weighed that milk with a pail and scale, and then took that uh, milk sample back to a, a lab where they ran their own Babcock test all by hand. Um, think of what they would uh, perceive today when we look at our milk testing lines that can do so much data analysis. We're getting tons of data points on every cow. Realistically, if we look at the status data on the activity data, milk testing data, we are getting hundreds and hundreds of data points on every cow throughout her life. So not only are we getting more data than ever, we have more tools than ever. Um, thinking about what VAS has been working on lately, we're doing a lot more with dynamic benchmarking. So making sure that we are comparing ourselves to the right reference category. Do we understand what our peers are doing and what we're actually capable of? And so we really need to consider how these tools can benefit our farms, but we can't manage it if we don't measure it. And step one to that is recording that data. There's data that's going to automatically get recorded. Um, if you're milk testing, we're going to know that a cow calved and we're going to know what her milk weights are, what her butter, fat, and protein are, probably when she got pregnant, when she dried off. But if you can start recording some more data on disease occurrences, 
or um, serum total proteins in your calves. Once we have that data, there is so much that we can do with it. Um, even if you're not sure what you're going to do with it right now, by having that data in your record keeping system, we're really unlocking just a wealth of opportunity to understand uh, what are the biggest drivers of production and profitability on your farm and where do we sit today and where could we be in the future? So I guess the, the one message I would take home is, uh, is take that time and record that data because uh, you've got a lot of people who are willing to help your farm who are going to want to help you apply it. Yeah, I think when it comes to data, I would look at it as it doesn't necessarily affect you today, right? But doing a poor job of collecting data can have a major effect on you a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And it's kind of one of those, um, you know, it's like taking medicine. Sometimes it, you, know, you miss, a, miss a medicine one day, probably not the end of the world for a lot of people. But uh, you go and keep missing it, you're going to have a dramatic effect on your your long-term health. So it would be the same thing. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us again, Talia. We really appreciate it. If anybody does have any follow-up questions, maybe, or they want to work with you in some way, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, my email is talia.danzinger at vs.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. I do love to connect with people on there. Um, I'm often sharing uh, nerdy cow stuff, so articles that are looking at technology and how we leverage data. And I'm always willing to have that conversation. I love talking about how you can leverage data to affect positive change on your farm. Great. We appreciate it. And, and if you haven't taken the time to also check out the Master's Choice social media, make sure and do that. We have a Facebook page, of course, YouTube, a lot of good content on there, a lot of video, a lot of assets we've done recently. So if you haven't looked recently, go back and check some of that out. Uh, Instagram, and then, of course, the website, www.seedcorn.com. And you can, of course, find this podcast on all, all the platforms that you probably use. So, again, we want to thank Talia Danzinger for joining us, and I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Well, that's it for today's episode of The Dairy Dive. We hope you enjoyed the new format, and if you did, we would so appreciate it if you would leave us a review. A good one, we hope. Uh, but those reviews help us increase our visibility and uh, reach more people in the dairy community. So thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.